welcome to another moment. Yes, another Black History Moment with Bo. And I hope you're doing well today. Although these temperatures that's going on <laughs> will keep you in the house. Here in my town, it was 120 degrees yesterday. But I learned a long time ago that even in the heat, sitting alone and enjoying your own company is better than being surrounded by fake people. And that's why I say some people aren't loyal to you. They are loyal to their need of you. Once their need change, so does their loyalty. And the only people I owe my loyalty to are those who never made me question theirs. That's it, my friends. That's it in a nutshell. And like I've said many times before, I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only try to make them think. You know what Booker T. Washington said years ago? He said, you go to school to study about the Germans and the French, but not about your own race. I hope the time will come when you study black history too. Was he foreseeing the future? Was he thinking about 2023 in the state of Florida? Undoubtedly, the man had a vision. But now let's slip into darkness and learn something about our own history. courthouse in Concord, North Carolina was tense. You see, Ronnie Long, 20, a black cement mason, was on trial for the rape of Sarah Bost, a 54-year-old wealthy white widow. All summer long, protesters had demonstrated against Long's arrest, accusing police of racial bias. Now hundreds gathered outside for the verdict in a case that had torn the community apart. Inside, tensions were even higher. Virtually every spectator on the defensive side was black. Everyone on the prosecuting side and all 12 jurors were white. When Long was declared guilty, the audience erupted and police rushed to clear the courtroom. That was October 1976. This past August, Long was exonerated and walked out of prison a free man. He'd been locked up for 44 years, placing him third on the list of American prisoners who served the longest sentence for crimes they did not commit. Since 1989, when DNA was first used in the United States to prove a prisoner's innocence, more than 2,600 inmates nationwide have been exonerated. Altogether, that's 24,000 years lost to wrongful conviction, and those are just the cases that the system has been forced to acknowledge. You see, one evening in April 1976, Sarah Bost was in the home she'd shared with her deceased husband, an executive at one of the largest employers in Charlotte area. 
when a man broke into her home, held a knife to her throat, and demanded money. He dragged her across the room, tore off her clothes, beat her, then raped her. She fought back, she later told investigators, scratching him so hard that her fingernails bent backwards. The phone rang, startling the attacker. He got up and ran out of the front door. She ran to a neighbor who called the police. Bose told the police that the man was black, yellow black, she said, according to court documents, meaning light-skinned, and wore a cap and leather coat. The next day, officers presented Bose with photographs of 13 suspects, and she said none of them looked like the attacker. Now, nearly two weeks later, police asked her to join them at the courthouse because they said the man who raped her might be present. Scared that he'd see her, she wore a disguise, a red wig and glasses, and sat in the gallery. Now, there was about 50 people in the courtroom that day, but only 12 of them were black, and Ronnie Long was one of them, and he just so happened to be wearing a leather coat. And still, it took this woman 90 minutes to identify him as the attacker, and only after the judge called him to come forward on an unrelated trespassing charge, which was later dropped, of course. That evening, May the 10th, 1976, Long was arrested. Notwithstanding the highly suggestive and inherently unreliable way to which he was identified, the case against Long never added up. Number one, his skin is dark, not yellow-black. Bose had described the man as clean-shaven at the time. Long had facial hair. He had a leather coat, but there were no scratches on him. And he had an alibi. At the time of the attack, Long was across town at his parents' house, where he lived, on the phone with the mother of his two-year-old son. You see, black people's alibis don't mean anything. Even if your parents swear to the alibi, it don't mean anything. There was not one shred of forensic evidence against him. Now, this isn't because no evidence was available. In fact, police did a thorough sweep of Boss's home. They took hundreds of photographs, collected strands of hair as well as samples from the carpet and the wall paint, and lifted a partial footprint from the front porch. A sexual assault kit was collected from Boss, but there was no record that it was ever tested or that it even still exists. The outcome was determined before the trial ever began. Physical evidence be damned. Long would be convicted and he'd be punished to the fullest extent of the law. And at the time of his arrest, there was only one possible sentence for a rape conviction in North Carolina, the death penalty. Prosecutors dangled a plea deal so generous that it might well have called into the question the strength of their case. Admit guilt, they told Long, and he'd receive a seven-year sentence with the possibility of release on bail in just three years. You see how they get us? But despite the overwhelming odds against him and the fate he faced if convicted, 
Long turned down the offer. He said, my dad looked at me and told me I didn't raise y'all to admit to something you didn't do. He later told a reporter, so he didn't take the plea. He went to trial. On October the 1st, 1976, the all-white jury, drawn from a pool of prospective jurors handpicked by the sheriff, four of whom had professional connections to Sarah Bo's husband, declared Long guilty of first-degree rape and burglary. If Long had any luck at all during the whole ordeal, it's that he narrowly escaped state-mandated execution. And that's because between his arrest and his conviction, the Supreme Court had struck down North Carolina's wildly broad death penalty statutes. He got two life sentences instead. By 2005, Long was represented by the Wrongful Convictions Clinic at Duke University. That year, his lawyers requested evidence from the rape kit that had been collected from Bost, only to find out that the kit was missing. Even worse, he discovered that the forensic evidence collected at the crime scene, which had shown no ties to Long, had been withheld from the defense during the trial. Though the revelations made Long's case for exoneration undeniable, he spent 15 more years behind bars. In August this year, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the 4th District finally asked a lower court to hear the motion for relief that Long's defense attorneys had been seeking. Shortly thereafter, Ronnie Long's was exonerated. On August the 27th, 2020, Ronnie Long walked free. He wore a three-piece suit for the occasion. He was greeted by family and supporters, including his wife, Ashley, who he met when she was a criminal justice student at the University of North Carolina. 20 years old when he entered the correctional system, Long is 65 today. He remains deeply disappointed in the institutions that took away so much of his life. If the people in the judicial system in North Carolina had a righteous bone in their bodies, it wouldn't have taken 44 years for me to prove my innocence, he said. That's why I put all my legal documents online so everyone could see what they did to me. He credits the media with bringing the attention to his case that caused the state to pay attention. The media was my voice to the masses, he said, and it's because of the media that I am free. Entrenched institutions aren't about to start correcting themselves, especially not if they can so easily get away with it. As long as brave people like Ronnie Long continue standing up to the powers that be, despite the odds against them, it behooves each and every one of us to do our part to amplify their stories and fight for lasting change. The pardon makes Long eligible for restitution by the state, which allows compensation of $50,000 per year, incarcerated up to $750,000.
You see, my friends, numerous pieces of forensic evidence that could have helped exonerate Long, including 43 fingerprints that did not match his that police had collected from the crime scene were tested by the State Bureau of Investigation, but did not disclose and officers with the Concord Police Department gave false testimony about the evidence at trial. This is how we are still being treated by our judicial system. 44 years of this man's life was virtually taken from him. Just taken. Do you think $750,000 is worth 44 years of your life? This man was completely lost to the technology era. No internet, no cell phone. I think the worst feeling in the world is knowing you've been used. My friends, there are thousands of stories like Ronnie Long's in our history. I just happened to run across this one and thought I would bring it to your attention. They continue to beat us down in the courtroom. The judicial system has one thing in mind, lock us up. And that's why 40% of the incarcerated men today are black although we only make up 13% of the population. And please always remember that someone's effort is a reflection of their interest in you. That music tells me that it is once more that time, my friends. But before I go, I must leave you with a message. A wise man was once asked, what is anger? And he gave a beautiful answer. He said, it is a punishment we give to ourselves for someone else's mistakes. Have a great day, my friends. Peace to my ancestors and my elders. I walk in your strength, legacy, and power today and every day. Until next time, friend, it has been my honor.